0: All right. Well, I want to welcome everybody across all of our campuses. How are we doing today? You guys doing good? Good? I, uh, I just want to take this uh, quick minute and look right into the camera and say hello to our North Campus. How you doing, guys? Downtown. Hope you're doing well. Anybody watching online, I know we have a number of people uh, that are on Facebook Live. I know we have a number of people that are hosting watch parties around the country, we've actually heard from you. We have watch parties in Michigan, Ohio, North Carolina, Colorado, Texas, Missouri, just to name a few. So that's amazing. So good to have you guys. And uh, those of you here in Northwest, you're looking good. So glad to see you. And I saved our West Campus for last because somebody has a birthday today. Uh, our West Campus turns two years old today. So we're super excited for that. Give them a hand. And uh, if you don't know anything about our West Campus, we've got a few images that are just going to kind of pop up on the monitor beside me just to kind of show you a little bit of what that campus feels like. They are our only portable campus right now, which means they set up and tear down every weekend in a middle school. They are our fittest campus, they burn so many calories. And uh, they are led by our campus pastor, David Cup, who's just a, done an amazing job with that staff and that team of volunteers over there. They, cram over 900 people into a middle school auditorium every week. They've had 130 baptisms. It's amazing to see what God has done. And so I think it would only be fitting on their second birthday. As a church family, we sing them happy birthday. What do you think? I think we should. And so at all of our campuses, I need you to lift up your voice. I'm gonna get it started. Please do not leave me hanging because I cannot (laughs) sing my way out of a brown paper bag. All right, so here we go. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear West Campus, happy birthday to you. Love you guys. And uh, I want you to know two years portable set up and tear down. There's none of our other campuses have gone that long. And I want you to know we're with you, we're behind you, and we already have land on the west side. We are working on the designs for a facility. I got a sneak peek at one of the renderings of it this last week. We'll be able to have something to show you sometime soon. And so hold on, we can't wait to get you into your new digs and to see all that God's going to continue to do through you. And as you saw through the video uh, being interviewed, our two newest campus pastors, uh, we're going to be right now, we're in the middle of just praying and planning. Uh, to launch campus number five in the Northeast Fishers area, campus number six in the Midtown Broad Ripple area. And uh, we're just really asking God to go ahead of us in this. And um, right now, we've got about 350 people per campus that have signed up to be on the launch team. So about 700 people total, which is amazing. Uh, maybe, you don't have, maybe you don't have a frame of reference, but we, uh, all the other campuses we've started, we've never had that many people on the launch team. So it's really encouraging. And if you live on the northeast side of town, maybe you live in Midtown, or you just want more information about those campuses, maybe you'd like to be on a launch team. Let me tell you what, man. If you want to go on an adventure of faith, join a launch team of a campus. And if you're interested in that, go to tpcc.org backslash launch team, get all the information there. They are having gatherings on August the 18th, and we'd love uh, to see you there. And then finally, I don't know if you're the kind of person that is really sad to see summer go, like it just went so fast, or if you're the kind of person that's like, I'm so thankful that we're getting back into a routine and getting the kids out of the house. I don't know if you're that way. I'm a a little bit of both, Uh, but now that we're kind of getting back into a little bit of a routine, now would be the perfect time for you to jump on and begin to serve on a team somewhere. I, I met two people, just this morning serving on teams I've never met before and I just had a, a, an opportunity to have a conversation with them and immediately they just told me how much better their experience at church had gotten since they've jumped onto a team. And I'm just telling you that if you're just occasionally attending church, it's it's not gonna be nearly as good if you jump in and serve on a team. We just want everybody to go one and serve one. And if you begin to do that, I guarantee you that you're gonna meet some people, you're gonna feel connected to this great big place and uh, God's gonna use you in significant ways, so I'd love for you to get on a team. Well, um, this past Thursday, I had one of those like milestone dad moments that I was not ready for. Uh, I stood in the driveway in my boxers and a cup of coffee and really messy hair. It's a disturbing image, so don't hang out too long there. And I uh, watched uh, my, my two oldest kids, they, they just uh, went back to school on Thursday. My son's a junior in high school. My daughter's starting her freshman year. And I stood there and watched them drive themselves off down the driveway to school all by themselves. Yeah, that that's a big moment. And I was not ready for it. I know some of you have already been there, done that. Like some of you have sent kids off to college. You're like, hey, that's nothing, Brockett. But it was a big deal to me. And I, I was like trying to not be like, you know, hovering worry wart dad, because that guy's not cool. And so I'm like trying to be like, hey, you know, be safe, bro. You know, and, I, and, uh, and uh, you know, I'm like praying for them, I'm like, God, oh, please protect them. And, I, and I'm like, I go inside, and immediately I'm refreshing to find my friend's app every 15 seconds just to make sure, you know, that they got there on time. And the reason why isn't because I don't trust them. It's because like, I don't trust you, all right? It's like, it's like there's, <laughs> there's like a lot of crazies on the road. And uh, I, I know, like any of you who have ever been in a car accident, like you know that like one of the first things that you said as you're standing there in the median, as the, as the police are there to file the report or the fire truck gets there or whatever, is you said, wow, that happened so fast. Man, I hardly had any time to react. I, I, I just took my eyes off the road for a split second and I ended up in the ditch. And what is true when we're in a car is very true when it comes to life. There, there are many of us, me included. And we've had some moments where our Lives, maybe a certain aspect of our life, maybe it was a certain relationship, maybe it was some finances, maybe it was a career, maybe it was our spiritual life. And it ended up in a ditch and we're standing there scratching our head going, man, that happened so fast. Like what happened? I took my eyes off the road for a split second. And today, if you're here at one of our campuses, if you're watching online, You're brand new to church, man, you came on a really, really good day because we're starting a brand new series of messages that we're going to be in for this whole month called Rumble Strip. And we've all probably had that experience. Maybe it's on a long road trip. Uh, Maybe we're driving through the night. Everybody else in the car fell asleep. And, you know, you've already slammed your third Red Bull and you've worked your way through that giant bag of Skittles and you're smacking yourself trying to stay awake. Or maybe it's the middle of the day and you just take your eyes off the road for a second, you adjust the air conditioning, the radio, whatever, and all of a sudden you hear that sound and you feel that vibration called a rumble strip. And it sounds a little bit like this. Now, here's the technical definition of rumble strip. All right. I, I just thought it was like bumps along the road, but here's the technical definition of, of one. Rumble strips, also known as sleeper lines, alert strips, audible lines, sleep bumps, wake-up calls, growlers, drift lines, and drunk bumps. <laughs> I might add one more. Tummy tickler. All right, that's a, that's a good one. Are a road safety feature to alert inattentive drivers of potential danger. By causing a tactile vibration and audible rumbling transmitted through the wheels into the vehicle interior. A rumble strip is applied along the direction of travel following an edge line or center line to alert drivers when they drift from their lane. Wow. I had no idea that there was a definition that technical, but apparently there is. And that's what we want to talk about over the next four weeks together. And one of the things that I already love about this series is that it's chock full of real life practical application. So what I want you to know is that today, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you believe, regardless of where you would be in your own spiritual journey, maybe you believe in God, you don't believe in God, maybe you have days that you do and days that you wonder, Regardless of the season of life you're in, whether you're young or whether you're older, this series is going to have practical application for you wherever you might stand with God or if you fully believe that his word can be trusted. Now, one of the things that you need to know about me is I hate wasting people's time, primarily because I don't like my time to be wasted. And so even if you don't believe just yet, I want you to walk out of here every single week going, you know, I don't know that I'm there yet with Jesus. I don't know that I believe what they believe just yet but man, that was helpful. That last hour was really helpful. And what I hope that you'll begin to see is that God's word has wisdom that really works in real life. And maybe that might begin just the journey for you to begin to trust Jesus. And so if you have a Bible or a Bible app, would you go to Proverbs chapter four. And if you don't have either one of those, I'm gonna have this on the monitor beside me as I kind of teach through this. And so I wanna start in Proverbs chapter four, beginning in verse 10. And I want you to see how tender these words start out. He says, my child. Now this is like a father communicating some things to his kids. That's how we need to read it. He says, listen to me and do as I say and you will have a long good life. Now, how many of you want to have a long, good life like I do? Like I know some people who have had a long life, but not necessarily a good life. And I know some people have had a good life, not necessarily a long one. The the key is we want to like put those things together. (laughs) You ever met somebody who's been around for a long time? They're very seasoned, very mature, getting up there in years and they're mean. Yeah, or bitter or upset because they, they didn't live a good life, lived a long one. And so the key is a long, good life, which means we, we, we're not going to get there by accident. It's going to actually be very intentional. He says, I will teach you wisdom's ways. He doesn't say, I'm going to teach you life hacks. I'm going to teach you secrets. I'm going to teach you the shortcut. No, he says, I'm going to teach you something way better, wisdom's ways. Now, there's a lot of really smart people that are not happy people. You can learn a lot of stuff and know a lot of stuff, but that's not necessarily the secret to life. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. See, uh, knowledge is sort of like knowing that t- a tomato is a fruit. How many of you knew that a tomato is a fruit? Yeah, that's, that's knowledge. Uh, wisdom is knowing to never, ever put that in a salad, all right? all right? That's a corny example, but I guarantee you'll remember it, all right? That's the difference between the two. He says, I want you to teach you wisdom's ways, and I want to lead you in straight paths. This is like journey. This path is going to come up a couple of times in Proverbs. This is timeline from your birth to your expiration date here on this earth. That's the path. That's the road. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions and don't let them go. Guard them. That's interesting that he would say it that way. He doesn't say, remember them. He doesn't say, write it down, don't forget. He says, guard it, which means, that's like a defensive posture. That means there's something coming against you to take those things away. For they are the key to life. Now look at verse 20. He begins with this affectionate term again. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. I've said that to my kids over and over and over again. My wife has said that to me over and over and over again. (laughs) Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate. Let them really sink in deep into your heart. Now, he's not talking about the muscle in your chest. He's talking about uh, the core of who you are. He's talking about the essence of who you are, your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations. Let it really sink into, into the core of your motivations, for they bring life to those who find them. And healing... To their whole body. Now he puts this together. Guard your heart above all else. And that's like priority number one. If you get everything else wrong, make sure you don't get that one wrong. For it determines the course of your life. There's that path again. There's that road. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. All that means is any talk that comes out of our mouth that isn't kind, that doesn't build up, that's destructive, that's twisted. Look straight ahead. And fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. In other words, we could say that Proverbs chapter 4 is talking about placing rumble strips in our lives so that we stay on the path to live a long, good life. Life Now, there's three things that I want you to know about rumble strips, all right? Number one, rumble strips along the road, they do three primary things. They wake you up, alerting you to danger. The second thing that they do is they are still inside the safety zone. That's important to understand that uh, the rumble strip is... Uh, gives you enough margin that when you hit it and you accidentally even go beyond it you're still on pavement it would do us no good to put a rumble strip in the grass or in the ditch by that time it's too late in fact um, uh here along our north uh, northwest campus along i-65 this summer there's been a lot of road construction have you noticed and uh (laughs) and uh you know it's been sort of inconvenient over the summer. However, they've they've finished a lot of it, and man, it looks really really good. So I don't know if any, there's anybody that worked on that, but way to go! It looks it's incredible. I got out on on Friday. I'm like I'm like man, this is so smooth. This is great. And I noticed the rumble strips. They're fresh, and they aren't all the way over to the side of the road. They, there's enough margin there that when I hit it, I, I I'm still in safety. That's important to understand. Hold on to that. And the number three, they assist us in our destination. They, they are there to help us arrive safely. And as it turns out, the road isn't the only place that we need them. Every single one of us needs rumble strips in our lives and you know what god knew this and that's why he gave us lots of them primarily in in the old testament the the old testament law could be thought of as rumble strips there's if you don't know a whole lot about the bible there's 613 laws found in the old testament that god gives to his people and the old testament law doesn't really have a, a great rap we're not like too excited about them because most of us don't like rules In fact, if you like rules, chances are, the only rules you like are the ones that you came up with, (laughs) right? The ones that you are imposing upon other people. But most of us don't like them, especially if we don't understand them. Like if you don't understand a rule, like some of you are like, well, I'm gonna break that rule because I don't understand it, it's stupid. Or if we're confused by it, or maybe it feels as if the person imposing the rule upon you is doing it to make them feel better about themselves. Now, uh, within church world, there's a word for what I just described, and it's called legalism. And if you've had a bad church experience, maybe so bad that you got beat up, or you got fed up, or you left the church, chances are legalism probably had something to do with it. However, God's rumble strips were never meant to be legalistic. What we need to understand is that God is our Heavenly Father, and I realize that maybe Many of us listening to this right now, maybe we didn't have a very good example of of an earthly father. So this is somewhat difficult for us to kind of get there in our thinking, but we need to know that God is a good heavenly father. And in the Old Testament, he laid down some rumble strips or some laws, not as a condition of relationship, meaning if you abide by these rules, then I'll love you. That's not what that means. He gave the laws as confirmation of relationship. You're already my kids, and I'm trying to benefit you. I'm trying to keep you from danger. I'm trying to warn you before you get in the ditch, and I'm trying to help, you, uh, help assist you in your destination. And what I n- need you to see is I, I want to reframe some of our thinking when it comes to the way in which we visualize God. Here's a really good example. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, God says this. I don't know how it hits you. He says You must not have any other God but me. And I don't know how you receive that. And maybe some of you today are like, yeah, of course, I'm I'm on with that. Others of you, maybe you're like, I don't like that at all. It sounds exclusive. It sounds sort of possessive. It sounds arrogant. It sounds like, uh, you know, he's got some self-esteem problems, and and I don't like that. But what if you were to read this in a different way? What if you were to read this as a daddy talking to his kids? Let me give you an example of what I mean. Uh, Several years ago, I was at uh, a soccer field watching a game and I sat down on this um, blanket on the ground and this cute, like adorable little three or four year old girl comes running up to me. And she never looked directly at me. She just ran up to me, gave me this giant side hug, plopped down right next to me and then she grabbed a hold of my hand. And it was like the sweetest thing ever. And I I, uh, really needed a hug that day. So I just (laughs) let her do it, right? I was just like, man, that's all. I'm having a way better day now. But I realized I don't know this little girl. And she's holding my hand. And so I kind of looked at her and I smiled and I said, "Uh, sweetheart, what's your name? And right then she did not recognize my voice. She jolted around, looked right at me, and she gave me this look like I had a third eye and horns. (laughs) She thought I was her daddy until she looked at me, and then she screamed, which is not an uncommon way in which females have responded to me, but, I, but she, she runs, you know, and takes off, and, and I'm like in that moment going, I didn't do anything, did not do a thing. All right, it's like local pastor gets around. I was just like, ah, and I was like. And so I've told my kids that since they were really little. Like, don't go with strangers. You don't know them. You don't initially trust them until I say it's okay. In other words, have no other daddy above me. Sounds like really good counsel. But then God says it and we think he's an egomaniac. This is actually just a really good thing that he's saying to his kids. In fact, it's the most loving thing that he could say to his kids. Did you know that, that many of the Old Testament laws or um, rumble strips that we're talking about actually had to do with human cleanliness and hygiene. Aren't we thankful for good hygiene? Like, say amen, like if you, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, thank you for wearing deodorant today. (laughs) And if the essence of BO is in the air, I'm sorry I made that awkward for you, all right? uh, (laughs) Scholars tell us There's 613 rumble strips in the Old Testament. Scholars tell us that nearly one-third of them had to do with human hygiene and cleanliness. God has always been into clean. Now, Now, here's why this is significant and important. Because they lived in an era in which they didn't have information that we take for granted today. Like every all of us, we know that washing our hands is a good thing. That's like the number one thing that you can do to stay healthy, to not prevent disease. They didn't know that then. They, they, they didn't even know about germs, let alone how they spread. Like look at an example of this in Deuteronomy chapter 23. Here's God laying down a rumble strip. And to them, it doesn't and to us it's kind of gross. To them, it would not have made any sense. Listen, he goes, You must have a designated area outside the camp where you can go to relieve yourself. That's good counsel. Each of you must have a spade as part of your equipment, your tool belt. Whenever you relieve yourself, dig a hole with the spade and cover the excrement. I'm just guaranteeing that none of you are gonna do your devotions to that passage this next week. I would actually love to preach a whole sermon series on those two verses, that would be awesome. But uh, okay, so we read that and we're like, that's disgusting, why is that in the Bible? I don't know if any of you have ever been to a third world country that doesn't have uh, septic systems and toilets and running water, uh, I have. And, and you know it because you can smell it. Like people just relieve themselves right outside their, their shanties. It's just human waste runs down the streets. I've seen little kids playing in it. Uh, in some parts of the world, they um, will uh, do their business in a plastic bag, tie it and not throw it into a pile. They call it flying toilets. So what we need to understand is during this day, they didn't have septic systems, they didn't have toilets, they didn't have running water, they didn't have any of that stuff. And so God lays down this rumble strip. Why? Well, as you know, in the Middle Ages in Europe, uh, Europe was nearly wiped out because they weren't aware of how disease spread through human excrement. And at least that was a contributing factor to the Black Plague. See, germs wouldn't be discovered for hundreds of years. Science hadn't given us that information yet, but yet God knew. See, this was this was Dad looking out for us. To them, those rumble strips would have sounded unnecessary and crazy. And it doesn't make sense. And Dad's like, no, I've got your best interests in mind. So here's a question that we need to ask each of ourselves today. We need to ask this of ourselves. Right now in in your life, I'm not talking to the person sitting beside you. I'm not talking to the person you wish would have come today. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me. Am I paying attention to the rumble strips in my life? I promise you they're there. For some of us, we've just been riding on the rumble strip so long that it's become white noise and we've tuned it out. Some of us, we're, we're not aware of it, some of us are ignoring it, and maybe in some part of our life, there's some regrets that we're experiencing because we avoided the rumble strip and a certain portion of our life, a part of our life ended up in the ditch, and so maybe you got into some money trouble because you ignored some financial rumble strips. Maybe. You're dealing with some health issues because you stopped paying attention to the physical rumble strips. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of conflict right now because you overlooked some relational rumble strips. Maybe you're facing some issues with your reputation. It's been damaged because you've neglected some moral rumble strips. Maybe you're feeling stagnant in your spiritual growth or disconnected from God over the summer because you're dismissing a few spiritual rumble strips in your life. And if that's the case, I just want you to know, look at me, you're not alone. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm not saying that so the conviction feels so heavy that you can't walk. We, every single one of us can look into the rearview mirror of our lives back at a moment that we've just driven through and cringe. Be like, man, why did I say that? Or why didn't I say that? Or why did I go there? Or why did I do that? I should know better by now. And I just want you to know, man, if you're feeling beat up by some of those moments, there is a loving and gracious Heavenly Father that has given us these incredible gifts called mercy and grace. I don't know why anybody would turn him down. It's an amazing deal. He's always standing there ready to give it to you. But yet with that said, There is a word for something that we keep doing over and over again, even though we've been, even though we've ended up in the ditch, even though we've paid the price, even though we've made the mistake and we keep doing it. It's it's called a, a habit or a pattern or an addiction. It's like that old quote, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And so doing the same thing over and over again and we never learn our lessons, we keep swerving off the road into the ditch. It's just called regret. And regret is a really lonely, frustrating, discouraging place to be. And nobody's perfect. We're all going to make mistakes. But God wants to get us back onto the road. And one of the keys to learning and growing through these experiences is really understanding where the battle is fought and won. And it's mentioned in Proverbs a couple times. It's right here. It's your heart. Not the muscle beating in your chest, but the ruling center of who you are. Jeremiah chapter 17 says, the heart is the most deceitful of all things. Meaning that it will deceive even you. The only thing that can deceive you is like you. It's, it'll just, your heart will deceive you. And so this is why rumble strips are so important. Some of you are like, why is it necessary? It's so necessary because your heart will deceive you. And you need rumble strips to rumble so that way you know when you're getting close to danger. And I want you to know that this concept of a rumble strip is way more than just avoiding a disastrous crash. All right. That's, that can't be all that it is. You would never get out on the road today and just get out on the road and go, don't crash, 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 don't crash. Because eventually you get sick of that and you would just pull off at the next exit and just sit there. And honestly, that's where some of you are. You're just like, I'm tired of crashing. I don't want to crash anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. And so you're not traveling anymore. The rumble strips aren't just there to avoid a crash. The rumble strips are there to assist us in the right destination. The author of Proverbs gives us this concept of straight paths. And so here's a question that I really want you to wrestle to the ground today. And it's just simply this question. How do I get from where I am to where I want to be? And that might be one of the most important questions that you'll ever spend time wrestling with. And you can lay this question down over every area of your life. Because here's the thing, where are you now? How do I get from where I am in my relationships, in my marriage, in my career, in my finances, in my spiritual life, to where I want to be? And it's not just going to happen because there is actually an enemy that is coming against us. The author of Proverbs says, guard, guard what, you've, what you've learned, guard what you know, because there's actually some things advancing against you. And if you are not intentional about getting from where you are to where you wanna be, you'll never get there. So let me give you three really important principles. These are, this is something you might just wanna write down so you can reflect on later, or maybe talk about in your groups. But here's principle number one is that direction always 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 determines my destination not my intentions it's always the direction in which i'm traveling that determines my destination an intention is something that i mean to do it's something that i plan to carry out i plan to go there it's my purpose it's my aim now listen i think good intentions are great they're just not enough it's kinda of like this, like if you were to come to me today and say, uh, I have every intention of taking a vacation to the Caribbean and I am so excited about it, I've already got my plane ticket, I've already bought you know, my Chacos, I've got my Ray-Bans, I've got my, my straw hat, you know, like I, I am ready to go. I can already feel the sand between my toes and one of my little umbrella drinks and I, I'm like, I, I, I believe it in my heart, like I'm gonna get there. I have every intention of going to the Caribbean. But you go to the airport and you sit at the gate and you never board the plane, you're not going to the Caribbean. Or worse yet, what if you get on a plane that's going to Alaska? And you're sitting there in your seat reading a magazine on the Caribbean. Like, oh, I can't wait to get there. It's gonna be so amazing. Like, you're not going to get to the Caribbean no matter how well-intentioned you are. And I know that sounds like a crazy, absurd example, and it is, but many of us, that's the way we've been living our lives because there's some of us here today that have been saying, I fully intend on getting out of debt. I believe it in my heart. I have been through financial peace three times. Dave Ramsey is my Yoda. All right, I, I am gonna get out of debt. I'm gonna do it. I've got every intention, but we still haven't gotten a job and we're not, we haven't established a budget and we're living beyond our means and we're not tithing. And when we are generous, we're not joyful. We're not gonna get there. Some of us have been saying, I, I want to have a good marriage. I wanna have a healthy marriage. I believe it in my heart, but you're not willing to go to counseling. You're not willing to go to church with your spouse. You're not willing to have the hard conversations. You're not willing to have a carve out a time for a date night. You're not willing to stop being selfish. Then you, you're on the wrong plane. Some of us here today were like, I am going to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I have every intention of growing in my relationship with Jesus, but you're not doing daily Bible reading. You've not gotten into a group. You're not serving on a team. Last time you were here was Memorial Day. Welcome back. You're not, and I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that you do any of those things to get right with God. Please don't hear me say that. You do those things to stay on the right path to get you to where you wanna be. And so many of us are headed in the wrong direction with good intentions, and that's the way to ruin your life because you'll get to the end of your life and you'll be filled with regret. Here's principle number two. Decisions determine that direction. So it's like, how do I know I'm headed in the right direction? Well, what decisions are you making? And you've got to ask somebody else to speak into that because why? Because your heart will deceive you. And you got to have a third-party objective use. And I'm not not everybody should be speaking into your decisions. That would be hell. All right, Uh, don't do that. But who is? And so here's the thing: is that it's the small. It's not the big decisions that really determine the direction. It's the small ones. It's the small, accumulated decisions. It's the daily disciplines, the daily practice, the things that you like. nobody else will probably ever see and you likely won't get credit for it. That's where the battle is won and fought. In fact, look at what it says in Jeremiah 6, 16. It says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads. In other words, that's decision-making time. Crossroads, look around and ask for the old godly way. That doesn't sound too exciting. What that means is wisdom's way, the proven way, the trustworthy way, dad's way, because he loves you. Maybe the three most important words in the passage. Let's say it out loud together. I want to lift up your voices, all of our campuses. Walk in it. He doesn't just say know it, read it. He says walk in it. Put your foot to the path, travel that path, and you will find rest for your souls. And many of us are frantically looking for rest for our souls because we're restless and we're anxious and we're frustrated. And he just told us, for for some of us, we need to maybe stop contemplating some things and we just need to start taking some steps of faith. And it's that whole principle of the one degree thing. You start off and maybe you're just off one degree, not such a big deal at the beginning, but the greater the distance that's traveled, the further off you'll be by the time you arrive at that destination. Here's the third principle, is what I download determines my decisions. What I download, and what I'm talking about is your thought life. I'm talking about what, what are the things that inform your thought life. So, so what is it that you're looking at? What is it that you're reading? What is it that you watch? What is it that you're thinking about? And uh, here's why this is so important. And, you know, we, we know this, like you are what you eat, but we're also we fail to see you are what you think. And so our thought lives are like maybe the most important thing about us. And it's also the most private thing about us because there isn't anybody that knows 100% of what you think. Like there might be someone in your life that knows some of what you think, but there isn't anyone that knows everything that you think. And I'm not saying that that should be the case. There are just probably some things that we think that should stay there or they should not come out of our mouths. But because it's such a private thing, it's so easy to hide, isn't it? And maybe some of us are little by little fighting, or we're fighting a battle and we're losing because we're losing the battle in our minds. How many of you have ever uh, read something, uh, you know, on the news? Maybe it's a public figure of some kind who's just uh, been exposed in some massive scandal. There's lots of examples to choose from. Or maybe you know somebody in your own personal life that from the outside looking in, looked like they had everything together. And then all of a sudden something went public and their lives blew up in some significant way. And you said to yourself, how did that happen? Well, that, that didn't just happen. It's been happening. And it And probably started in their thought life and they hit the rumble strip and they just ignored it and they kept drifting and drifting and drifting and then they ended up in the ditch and then that's how you found out about it now our culture and society at large i just want to warn you does not encourage rumble strips and i think primarily because of number two what we talked about a few moments ago it's because the rumble strips are well inside the safety zone and our culture and society is always asking not this not the question of is this wise we very rarely ask that as a society generally speaking we ask the question is it allowed like is this allowed like is this right and wrong i, I get that question all the time people email me and say so can you tell me is this is this allowed is, does god allow this is this right or is this wrong that's what we're always asking instead of where the rumble strip is so I'm just telling you that culture doesn't, they're not too excited about rumble strips. Instead, culture offers painted lines. And painted lines are okay, but you, you can't necessarily feel them. It's easy to go over them. In fact, let me give you a couple of examples of this. Here's one painted line that we hear all the time in our culture. Um, drink alcohol responsibly. Now, I'm not saying I disagree with that, but I am saying that this principle has been around for decades, as long as I can remember. And yet there's still DUIs every day. There's still people that die in drunk driving accidents all the time. uh, Still people that get addicted to alcohol all the time. So like, it's like not working. It's a painted line. See, the Bible offers us something better. God's word offers us a rumble strip. And he says, alcohol isn't prohibited. Just don't get drunk. That's a very clear rumble strip. Why? Because people do stupid things when they get drunk. I mean, who's uh, if, it, if it's just drink responsibly, whose definition of responsible are we talking about? Isn't it like after two or three drinks, then that part of your brain that's responsible like takes a nap? How do you know? Hey, right, here's another one. Another painted line, consolidate your debt. Now, once again, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do this. Maybe there is a time when you should consolidate some debts, but it's a painted line because, okay, how much debt should you take and what interest rate? And the Bible actually offers us a rumble strip. In Proverbs, it says that the borrower is slave to the lender. So like do everything that you can to put God first in your life and uh, trust him with a tithe and live responsibly and get out of debt as responsibly and as quickly as you can. Here's another painted line that we hear all the time in culture. Listen to your heart. Quite possibly the stupidest advice I've ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) Now hear me, hear me. I get it. I get it. Like if you like that statement, if I just offended you by what I said, I get it. Like if we're saying, man, because we we live in a culture where people have been abused and they've been bullied and they've been made to feel bad about themselves. And so if you're saying this, like, listen, you have worth and value and God loves you and there's a plan for you. Man, absolutely. I'm just saying it's a painted line because of Jeremiah 17. Because our hearts can deceive us. See, see here's, here's the better thing. Instead of listen to your heart, the Bible offers us this rumble strip, surrender it. Yeah. And once you surrender your heart to the Holy Spirit and he takes up residence within there, he starts to do some transformational work. And then by all means, listen, by all means. Yeah. Let me give you one more. Wait until you're ready. How many of us have heard that from someone and talking about sexual intimacy, wait until you're ready and, now, now, here's the big, big problem with this painted line is that every young adolescent boy that I've ever met <laughs> was born ready, all right? <laughs> God's word offers us a rumble strip. It says, hey, listen, sex isn't dirty. We can talk about sex. God invented it. Let's give him credit for it. But it, but it is, it's, it's an illustration, maybe you've heard a lot or an analogy, you've heard a lot, but there's a lot of truth to it. It, it. Sex is a lot like fire. Fire is amazing when it's in a fire pit. And God said, listen, man, I wanna warm you with that fire. I wanna bless you with that fire. Just, just enjoy it within a covenant promise of marriage that I've designed for you. Not to, not to ruin your fun, but to enhance it. So I'm telling you, the minute you begin to live your life by some rumble strips, you might have some people walk out on you. You might have some friends disown you. You might have some people label you, call you a goody two-shoes, tell you you're holier than thou. Oh man, you think you're all that because you're going to church now because it's, it's not gonna be very popular. They'll, they'll, the, and, and culture will just suggest painted lines until somebody ends up in a ditch and then they mock and shame them. Proverbs chapter 12, verse two says this. Or not Proverbs, Romans. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. You want to change who you are? You start here. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for your life is good. And it's actually pleasing to you. You're not going to do it begrudgingly. God knows how you're wired. He knows how he created you. and He wants to enhance it all. And if you choose to start living your life by some rumble strips, you're not going to win any popularity contests. I promise you that. But eventually you will earn the respect of those who see how you live your life. I was a sophomore in high school. I was traveling with my high school soccer team. And a group of us boys were in a hotel room by ourselves, no adult supervision, and, and uh, it was getting late. We shut out the lights. We had the TV on, and it was on one of, those, um, uh, on, uh, one of the movie channels. and We were watching a movie. It was, it was totally fine. It was like a PG movie. But as soon as that movie ended, we were all kind of starting to drift off to sleep. The remote was on top of the TV, and the very next movie that came on was an adult movie. And it was one of those moments where it's like, you know, who's going to get up and change the channel, turn it off, whatever. And we all just sort of laid there like kind of pretending like we were asleep, like with one eye closed, you know, kind of a thing. And I will never forget uh, it wasn't very long. It was like a se- it was a few moments, few seconds, few moments. One of my friends jumped up, grabbed the remote and turned the TV off. And right then, somebody across the room said this. "Ah, man," And I'll never forget what my friend said, standing there in the darkness of the room. He said, turn it back on if you want. It's your marriage. And it was about as quiet in the room as it is in here. We were sophomores in high school. Nobody was married. Why did he say that? Because those of you who are married know that the time to begin working on your marriage is long before you ever meet that person. Because many of us, And I say this to to young single people all the time. And if you're here today and you're single and maybe one day you wanna be married, or if you're here today and you're single and you never wanna be married, and I just want you to know that's totally fine. You can be a whole, complete person as a single adult. Jesus never got married. He did pretty well for himself, right? You're you're good. But if you're single and one day you wanna be married, the time to start working on your marriage is not when you meet that person, it's now and many of us have drugged trash into our marriages and then we've sorted it out then and there, the time to begin working on it is now. So let me leave you with this principle. Establishing rumble strips is how not to ruin your life. They keep us on the path from where we are to where we wanna be. And what I want you to know today is that right now, You can believe and accept everything that I just taught, or maybe not, but I'm telling you that the principles that we just walked through are at work in your life right now, regardless of whether you would call yourself a Jesus follower or not, regardless of whether you believe there's a God or not, regardless of if you can trust God's word or not, those principles are still at work in your life and in your friendships and in your marriage, and none of us plan on ever wrecking our car, but we still do from time to time. And none of us ever plan on wrecking our life. The problem is, is that we never plan not to. So today, how's your thought life? Like right now, what direction are you headed in? And will it take you to the destination that you desire? And maybe the most important question is, how do you know? And the rumbling of the rumble strips is a pretty good place to start. I'll never forget about uh, 20 years ago, I went to this uh, leadership conference at a church that I really, really respected. And the pastor of that church, uh, he has since retired, but he served well in ministry for over 40 years. No scandals, you know, no affairs, Like he, he, he ran the race well, did it with integrity. And I'll never forget one uh, afternoon, we were sitting in a session and he was talking about the importance of character and integrity and who you are behind the scenes. And I'll never forget him sharing a, a personal story Uh, about himself. And he said that uh, decades before, uh, there was a a woman that was working on their church staff, and um, he just really enjoyed her company. Like, they got along really well. They had always great conversations. She would always laugh at his jokes, and from time to time, they might be walking out to the parking lot together at five o'clock on their way home, and she'd be walking out the same direction. They'd just kind of have some small talk about their day, and he found himself enjoying being around her probably a little bit too much, but but he hadn't done anything wrong, right? He hadn't crossed any lines, but there was a rumble strip that was starting to rumble, and he said one Sunday night, um, he and his wife had driven separately to church, and They were leaving, walking through the parking lot, and he forgot something in his office. He told his wife, he said, hey, go ahead, head home. I'm right behind you. I just gotta run in to grab something. He went into the office, dark hallways. Nobody was there. He walks around the corner, and he literally bumps into this lady that was on his staff. She was just standing there in the dark. And she reached out her hand. She grabbed his hand, and she said these words. No one will ever know. And in that moment, he said that his heart was about ready to beat out of his chest. And the rumble strip was like And he said, I knew that if I stood there for one more second, I might do something that I would regret for the rest of my life. And he said he did the only thing he knew to do. He didn't say a word, he just turned and ran. (laughs) And he went home and he told his wife everything. You could have heard a pin drop in the room and that left a deep impression upon me. See, here's the deal. Right now, regardless of who you are, you likely know when you're playing with fire. You likely know when you're pushing it to the edge. You likely know when you hear the whirring of the rumble strips, but you decide to ignore it anyway. And I just just wanna ask you right now to stop before you do something that you might regret for the rest of your life and ask God to give you the courage and the conviction to course correct. And then learn to be grateful for the gift, because that's what it is, of a rumble strip. Father, we come to you today. We thank you that you're a good dad. You don't get enough credit for that. We thank you that you desire things for us that are so good, we're not even aware of it. And so you've laid down these rumble strips and we may not understand it, we may be confused by it, but you're a good father and you have more wisdom than we do. And so we thank you for the gift of a rumble strip. I pray that we could be people that could heed them and course correct if we need to, to stay on the path so that we can live a long, good life. More importantly, a life that would be pleasing to you, a life that you, where, where you could honestly look us in the eyes one day and say, well done, Well done. And for those of us who are maybe in the ditch right now because we didn't pay attention to the rumble strip, I pray that your Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit, would would comfort them, would bind up their wounds, would, would overcome their shame, and let them know that there's still hope. And that hope can be found in and through a relationship with your Son, Jesus Christ. So Father, meet us in this place right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just would just be present in the room right now where we are. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen.